Hey guys, we just wanted to take a moment here to say thank you for listening to us week after week. You know, this is something that uh, we here really enjoy doing, and we hope that you've enjoyed listening to us rant and rave and ramble for hours and hours and hours and hours on end. Um, And if it's something that you have enjoyed and you would like to help us continue to do this, I would like to direct you to our Patreon page. So that's available at patreon.com slash newwavenerds or at the link in our Instagram bio. There'll be a block there that says Patreon. Um, We've got quite a few tiers there, each with their own different set of perks and benefits. The bottom tier is as little as three bucks a month. And we've set a goal for ourselves that once we reach 20 bucks a month, so that is just seven of our beloved listeners at our bottom tier, we're going to do a special celebratory movie watch along stream. Uh, the movie, which will be revealed at a later date, is one that is uh, near and dear to our hearts. It is uh, a bastion of cinema. Um, it's one that we've discussed quite a bit on the pod, but we've never actually reviewed. Uh, we've wanted to talk about it for a while, but we felt like it made sense to sort of save it for something special. And what's more special than a thank you for supporting us in continuing to do this? Um, that 20 buck a month goal covers our podcast hosting fees so that'll help take some of the financial burden off of us and make it a little bit easier for us to be able to continue to do this week after week Um, so again if you would feel so inclined if you enjoy the content we put out and would like to see us continue to put out more uh, please support us at our patreon page that's once again patreon.com slash new wave nerds or at the link in the bio of our instagram page just click on the Patreon bundle, or excuse me, the Patreon box there, and it'll take you to all of the various tiers. Um, we appreciate any support that you can give us. Every little helps uh, as we continue to try and do this for, for quite a while longer. So thank you once again. Thank you for listening. Uh, now let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the next installment of My Father Before Me. I'm your host, Brendan Sem. Joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Dad. How are you doing today? I'm lovely. Yes, lovely. Well, then I'm doing well, and so are you. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, What are we going to be discussing today? Well, you told me that you were on an anime kick, so I decided (laughs) that it's time for you to watch some of the animation that I had. Now, last time we did their Transformers movie, today we're going to be talking about... um, the works of Ralph Bakshi. Bakshi? Bakshi. What a name. Yes. Um, I mean, he's known in the animation world. Um, movies that came out before the ones we're going to talk about, uh, one of them that is kind of a cult classic that I've never seen, but I've heard a lot about, is called Fritz the Cat, which is an X-rated. I mean, back in the day, it was an X-rated animated. Oh. Um, officially now, it's unrated because the NPAA has decided to... Um, disavow X ratings and they never gave it an NC-17 because it was never submitted for re-rating. But um, it's a... uh, Yes, it was known as being an X-rated animated um, theatrical release. Uh, That was a Ralph Bakshi. And then after that, there was one uh, called Wizards. And Wizards is kind of a post-apocalyptic thing. Um, I think I remember watching part of it. I downloaded it once and I, I, I don't know if I ever... Uh, got into it as much i don't remember that one i don't remember as a child as a as a young um impressionable mind but um i do remember that it was out and it was one that uh Bakshi has done and in that one he did a little rotoscoping which we'll talk a lot more about that animation style of rotoscoping that he used in the movies we'll talk about but um so the first one i made you watch lucky you um was a movie that I watched as a child, probably inappropriately, uh, called Fire and Ice. Yeah, I would say inappropriately. Jeez. <laughs> and I don't little... remember how I glommed onto this one. I know why I stuck with it, because I probably thought it was cool in adult cartoons, you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, now, the the visual design of this one, of course, is uh, kind of giving it some sort of a cult status. Um there's obviously some rotoscoping, which we'll talk about more when we talk about our next movie. Um, but it was actually filmed with live actors. You know, the rotoscoping technology is you film it with live acting. 
live actors and then you trace it. And it's great oh. if you do some Googling. I, you don't trace it. You do your animation <laughs> artwork over the top of it. Um, but it's it's great if you do some Googling. You can actually find scenes of like the actress and the actor in those outfits and stuff that they must have filmed it and then went in and did it. And you can definitely see some of the the line work and stuff like that and, and how it's kind of uh, wrapped around people and, and just the way that they move. You can tell right that it that it is a thing now this one came after um the lord of the rings movie that we'll talk about in a little bit but um so it does seem a little bit cleaner than that one was yeah it feels like they perfected things but uh yeah it's a story uh you know I, I think it's supposed to be kind of an ice age magic fantasy story is what it is um and it was yeah it was one i remember and kind of stuck in my head for years and i don't think it made much in the way of uh any kind of an impact on the financial world or the uh uh the genre. I was just trying to look it up here. I think uh Yeah, somehow that doesn't exactly surprise me. <laughs> and like I say, you know, if you talk about Bakshi with other people, what you're probably gonna hear about more is Fritz the Cat and Wizards, because those were more I believe those were a little bit more critically acclaimed than this one was. Okay, here we go. According to IMDb, estimated budget is one point two million, and gross worldwide is seven hundred sixty thousand eight eighty three. There you go. So it didn't make very much. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't last very long. It it definitely um, was a different kind of movie. Now the reason I bring this one up, and I think that it's kind of stuck with me, is one of the producers on it. One of the producers is uh, I think it's Frenzetti. Is that his name? Uh, let me pop it open here. I never remember how to find the producers. No, uh, I know, and I thought I had it handy, but uh, uh, oh, Fre- Frank Franzetta. Franzetta, that's right. Now, when you when you talk about Franzetta, I kind of liken him to um, Ralph McQuarrie. You know, uh, he's an old sci-fi fantasy artist. Um, some of his paintings are are pretty um, well; they're very uh, iconic. In fact, when I think of Franzetta, I think of the old Conan the Barbarian uh, book covers and comic book covers and that sort oh. of thing. So that that is his design, his art style, the big muscly men, the big well-endowed, scantily clad <laughs> women. You know, I, I think of, um, you know, airbrushed paintings on the side of vans in the 70s, you know, and stuff. That's the kind of stuff that I, I attribute to Franzetta as an artist. And he's a producer on this, and you can definitely tell. It's almost like they took his concept or his idea of some cool painting and tried to make a movie around it. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's what they did. He's listed as a producer. I think there's a little uh, trivia note in there that he was terrible to work with, and a lot of people quit. But uh, <laughs> oh, that makes sense. As a producer, but uh, typical artist. <laughs> right. Um, so I mean, it's definitely a. Like I say, I, I can't even call this one a cult classic, really. We just know that it existed. And it was one I watched. <laughs> it's, so there, it's just there. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, so l- before we go on to the next one, what do you think of this one? This one was weird. It was, uh, <laughs> there was like a surprisingly little amount of dialogue. It was all just like running in the forest. Um I was very surprised <laughs> when when uh, Tigra first showed up and she's like doing this weird like sexy movement. I was like, I, I thought this was a children's show. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my god, Dad, what are we watching here? Yeah, this was gr- definitely what I thought was grown up animation. I don't know if my parents knew it at the time either. Maybe they wouldn't have let me watch it if they knew <laughs> it as much as they did. But oh man, yeah, that was it was weird. Um, I will say the story. Um, on a base level could have been interesting um but you know it has the same sort of fallings <laughs> that everything we sort of talk about on this segment does is that it's a, an interesting story but it's just not there it's an idea <laughs> right yeah. you know it's a theme and that's about it you know yeah. there, there's not a lot of meat to it there, there's a guy sitting on a thing that's moving the glaciers and and that's his attack i guess but yeah. uh, i will say looking at the poster it it's like if you just look at the poster it's hard to tell who like the main character is yes. between dark wolf or larn which are just great names <laughs> i i think it it 
I feel like it's supposed to be Lauren because he's obviously the one who is like there to to get the girl to save Tigra. Right. But then Dark Wolf, spoiler alert, is the guy who kills um Necron. Yeah. Yeah. He he's the big guy. He's the tracker guy. In fact, I when I saw him, well, back in the day we played uh, World of Warcraft. Yeah. Who's the uh, orc? Uh, hunter type guy who is in Warcraft oh, Three. Rexar, that's his name. So when I saw Rexar back in the day, I'm like, oh, okay. So those guys watch this movie too. <laughs> he's got that look to him with the the headgear and stuff. Uh, it's definitely a one to one. I think there. So yeah, there's some correlation for sure. Rexar was cool. He's well, actually yeah. a half orc. Well, obviously, <laughs> I don't remember what the other half is though. Um, half orc, half other orc. <laughs> Um, yeah, this, I don't know. It was, it was certainly weird. It was definitely one. It's one of those, again, if we're talking, the purpose of this, uh, podcast is for me to make you watch things that I remember from my youth. That's what I did here. I didn't say, <laughs> I didn't say I wanted you to watch something that I love from my youth or something that, uh, was a good, uh, uh, indicator of my youth, but it was definitely something I remember stuck in my brain. I always remember the title of it, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's just one of the things that, uh has been around so yeah i do remember um i think we had a dvd of this yeah uh, when we were younger i remember seeing the the cover and the title a lot so at least it was cult enough that it got a dvd release so (laughs) so there you go there we go it's a pretty low bar (laughs) um yeah it was interesting It, it, it was a thing and like i say i think the whole purpose of this one was to take that um you know that late 70s early 80s fantasy art style that that Franzetta did and try to make a cartoon out of it, you know, and, uh, obviously didn't, didn't go over. But. Yeah. Um, I think I did see, I'm not seeing it now cause I, uh, it's not shown up on the, the, the webpage for IMDb, but on my phone, I think there was a, um, they were making a remake of it at some point. Oh, I'm, I bet they would. Um, there's always somebody my age who's seen these things <laughs> and says, I can't think anything new. Let's try this. We can do it better, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it has a page, but here it says, Note, because this project is categorized as in development, the data is only available on IMDb Pro and is subject to change. Ah, no, thank you. You see, now, you, uh, there's your, patri- your first Patreon level. When you get enough subscribers for our podcast, you can sign up for IMDb Pro. That, that's the benefit <laughs> they get, is you can pass on the IMDb Pro knowledge. So. Yes. Oh, okay. So the, <laughs> I just did a quick preliminary Google, and the last story we have uh, from IGN, was in 2014. Well, there you go. <laughs> Sony acquires Robert Rodriguez's live action Fire and Ice. Yeah, well, see, Robert Rodriguez is a name. Uh, kind of a, uh, uh, what do they call those? Not exploitation films, but it's those uh, grindhouse type films, right? Isn't that what he's known for? That kind of thing that is a, uh, a serialized, you know, just a, uh, a messy kind of thing. I'm thinking of the the Tarantino Grindhouse. Wasn't he partner on that one? Wasn't it the two of them that were working on that film? Uh, that film together? Y- yeah, I think you're right. Actually, yeah, Grindhouse. Yeah, Planet Spy Kids too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. That's how we know him too. I'm sure he'll bring those sensibilities right to it. <laughs> oh my! He directed a few episodes of The Book of Boba Fett. Well, there you go. I mean, he's definitely a, a name in the industry for sure. So. He did the premiere episode. The very with the one where we're introduced to our no oh, Boba Fett not yeah uh, okay did he have some sort of a producer credit or something maybe it was just director on that but I I think I do remember now that you're bringing that up he had some um more serious involvement with that um and he directed an episode of Mando too yeah here we go executive producer and showrunner for Boba Fett okay all right I knew he had some uh, connection to that so. Oh, man. And From Dusk Till Dawn? Oh, what a terrible movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait a minute. That's a Tarantino that is two two different movies, right? Isn't it? Doesn't become the vampire movie halfway through? Isn't that the... Yeah, it was so bad. Oh, oh my. He did all of the Spy Kids movies. And Sin City? I thought Sin... I haven't seen that one, but it didn't... Wasn't that one supposed to be pretty good? It was a good adaptation. It's a very visual thing. Um, again, I think that's what, uh, when I think of Robert Rodriguez, I think of that kind of high design style and stuff. Right. It was, it, it was an adaptation of a comic book, kind of the way you think of 300 as an adaptation of a comic book and that it is really trying to get the, 
the comic book feel to it. Right. You know, it's trying to it's trying to get the essence of the comic and that kind of thing. So, hmm, but it has uh, uh, Frodo. Speaking of connections, really? What's his name? Elijah Wood oh. as a is he the yellow guy or the purple man? No, no, he's a yellow man. I think or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> where's he at? Let's see. Oh, Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Benicio oh, yeah. Tor- Michael Clark Duncan. I'm surprised you haven't seen this one. Actually, it's well. I I really want to see it. I've wanted to see it for a while, but I wanted to read the Frank Miller comic first. So I've I would recommend that for sure because it's definitely it's like it's it. Like I say, I put it in the same category of adaptation as 300 in that it is, um, you know, trying to be a comic book on the screen. Right. You know what I mean? Now, granted, it's more modern time. You know, it's more of a noir type thing, but you can definitely see the direct correlation. You know, some of the actual imagery from the comic is just showing up on the, um, you know, the screen and stuff. So. Right. Yeah. Elijah Wood is credited as Kevin. <laughs> so, I don't know who I that is. I think he is. turns into some yellow villain or something. I, you know, the the Sin City didn't really fall, didn't really land for me. Maybe now I would be a little bit more into it, but uh, we'll I'll check that one out. But but anyway, speaking of Elijah Wood, let's just move on here. <laughs> yeah, what a segue. Speaking of Elijah Wood, uh, Lord of the Rings adjacent, the other movie I had you watch was the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings um, animated. Um. This again, I would almost, I don't know if I'd call this my introduction to Tolkien because, you know, the Hobbit cartoon, we'll probably do that in the next episode. It's probably my first introduction to Tolkien um, and, and that sort of thing. But the Lord of the Rings is the, it's probably about the second, you know. Did the Hobbit come out before this or after? I think the Hobbit is before this. The, um, yeah, the Rankin and Bass Hobbit. I think that that one was 77. And this is 78, I believe. Wow, 77. That's pretty yeah, old. 77. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's even <laughs> old for me. But. Um, let's see. Yeah, 77. 77. Okay, yep. And this uh, Lord of the Rings uh, by Bakshi was um, 78 is the release date on that one. Um it's an animated version of Lord of the Rings. Of course, he wanted to adapt it. He had, I think he had some rights to it, and he wanted to do a live-action movie. But, of course, um, there were a lot of talks, and they just couldn't make it come through, and I think that's when he, they decided to do the animated version, probably because it's easier. Sure. But it is known as um, the first one of the first fully rotoscoped animation movies. So they shot the whole thing with people. Mostly, and, and then they they um, you know rotoscoped over the top of that. Right now, the reason I say they shot mostly is because what he actually did in some of the war scenes is he there was an old um, Soviet uh, movie from 1938 that is a, a was a historical drama that had a lot of battle scenes, and he actually took the film from that and use that for some of the battle scenes. Oh. So in reality, some of the orcs you're seeing are Russian soldiers, I guess. I don't, you know, that's that sort of thing. Cool. So, so uh, that's what I mean by when I say he filmed it, they didn't necessarily do all of it, but um, he took some of those old films in order to pull that in. I think some of the scenes of the horses, the guys on horses and stuff, you know, that's probably more expensive to shoot. He was able to just take this old film, cut it out, trace around it, you know, cut around it and put it in with their backgrounds and use it, you know, and stuff. So I thought that was pretty fascinating, but that is really cool. Um, speaking of <laughs> protoscoping, there was one scene that made me die laughing. Um, so they are, it's after the hobbits have been taken to Isengard uh, or they're being taken to Isengard and Gimli, Aragorn and Legolas are chasing after them. And I guess the guy who was acting for Aragorn must have tripped over his own sword. <laughs> and they just kept it in. Well, yeah, it's it's real life, I guess. Well, you know, the story, Aragorn in the in the actual movie during that scene, he breaks his toe. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a thing. So so there you go. It's a tradition, I guess, during, during oh, that part man. of the film. Oh, that was so funny. I mean, this this was, like I say, this was probably my uh, one of my introductions to Tolkien, you know, as a child before I even read the books, more than anything, uh, was knowing about these uh, animated uh, shows that were out there. I'm sure Dad probably uh, 
wanted, uh, you know, found them and, and showed them to me and stuff. And, and then of course, uh, you know, one thing that I've always known, um, is that Zeppelin has quite a few songs. They love Tolkien works and they have quite a few songs that actually reference it, you know, in oh. ramble on they, he talks about Gollum, uh, the evil wall or something like that. And then in, uh, you know, over the hills and far away. And so there's about three or four Zeppelin songs that are actually specifically referencing Tolkien works. And the reason I bring that up is because it says in the trivia here, that Bakshi was trying to get rights to those songs and put them into the, the film. That would have been cool. But, um, at that time, Zeppelin was holding all their rights. You know, you'll notice one thing with Zeppelin for a long time was they did not license it to streaming services, um, to, they didn't license it to commercials or anything like that for a long time until just recently. And now you see it almost everywhere. You know, this it's on, uh, it, well, it's on the Shrek movie. And there, of course it's on <laughs> Thor, love and thunder and, and, uh, uh, not love and thunder. The other one, Ragnarok, Ragnarok uh, yeah. when they bring in Zeppelin and then, um, you know, Cadillac commercials for a while, they're pretty big, you know, and stuff. But so, I mean, for a while, Zeppelin was really tight on things. And of course, that's why we didn't get them in this movie, I think, is because it probably cost too much. <laughs> right. Now, was were they doing that just because they just wanted to keep it to themselves? Like they were like... Yeah, I think, you know, Zeppelin at that time, a lot of a lot of artists at that time wanted to be artists and felt maybe they were selling out kind of thing. Gotcha. You know, I don't think it nowadays, you know, you write a cool song and people know it because they hear it on a commercial and then they love the song and they like it on their Spotify's and stuff and, and that kind of thing, or they buy it on iTunes. So it's actually a great way to get your song out there. You know, a lot of artists are excited when their song gets picked for a commercial or something because it's nothing but you know, publicity. Right. But I think you go back to the seventies and eighties and stuff like that. And that, you know, I imagine there's a little bit of punk in there too. It's like, we're not selling out to the man or anything. Yeah. You know, this is our say. music, you know, that kind of thing. So I imagine that was their thing. I've, I never read it specifically, so I don't know, but you know, I think a lot of music at that time and that's the way it was. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Probably. I mean, I'm sure they, they had like the peripheral knowledge of like other people who had, given the rights to their music away and then just been screwed over by oh, these yeah. companies. So yeah, yeah. I think yeah that, nowadays that contracts sense. are a lot different too, because <laughs> they know what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, I thought this movie was um, fun. <laughs> there are certainly some, some changes um, compared to the books and, and then obviously the Peter Jackson movies. Right. Some of them did make sense. Mm -hmm. Like, um, when the when after Frodo gets stabbed and instead of meeting um, Glorfindel like we do in the books or Arwen in the movies in this one it's it's Legolas right which yeah makes perfect sense it's a little bit cheaper plus you know who voiced Legolas uh, -uh. Anthony Daniels really yeah no yeah. way it's c-3po is uh is legolas and stuff so we got to make sure to get him in there now the rest of the movie and i you know i saw a, i've seen criticisms of this you know in the animated and Bakshi's, uh you know legolas and gimli have nothing to do other than just go along and fight alongside him you know and <laughs> right. stuff so so i guess they wanted to get as much as they could out of anthony daniels i suppose <laughs> <laughs> yeah that makes sense but it's also a you know there's definitely a decision made there uh for if they are thinking that this may be tailored to young audiences of having less people to know, you know, right. the less characters you have, the easier it is to follow. I mean, think of a lot of people's complaints about Game of Thrones and stuff. There's too many characters to follow. Back in the day, you know, we've talked about it. They, there aren't. There, you know, <laughs> there's there's four or five known people in the show, and that's all we get. Right. Know, stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, one thing that did irritate me, though, was the fact that they kept calling Saruman Aruman every time it stuck out. I was like, I think I, I feel like I get it because, again, actually, I don't because they never say Sauron, really. No, but I think that that was the worry that it was Sauron is too close to Saruman. You know, they're they're. I feel like they're doing a dumbing it down. And yeah. I think um, what was it? Oh, uh, well, Game of Thrones did that with um, Asha and Osha. Oh, right. right. Uh, so they changed um, uh, uh, his sister. I think, was that Asha with an A? In the books, it's Asha. In the shows, it's... Um, Yara. Yara, that's right. So yeah. they changed the name up completely, you know, and stuff for that reason. Because in the books, it's easier to see a difference, I suppose. It's easier to be more defined. When you're trying to cram it all into a couple hours, 
it's a little bit tougher to see that difference. And I will say, you know, one thing about this is, you know, they took the first two Peter Jackson movies, if you look at it that way, but they took uh, Two Towers and Fellowship of the Rings and kind of crammed them together in this. But then again, you can also look at it and see, I think they really cut out a lot of Frodo and Sam yeah from the two towers they cut that out of this animated version you know and stuff they don't do a lot in that second half yeah it was like they met Gollum, and they were like we're going to mordor and then the next time we see him frodo is like oh we made it yeah and (laughs) then and they're getting ready for shelob you know the same way you do at the end of two towers right yeah and i i was actually watching a little uh Somebody had threw together a, a video comparison of some of the scenes that were the similar similar between the movies and the um and the animated and and that end scene is pretty similar. Them walking through the forest right before you know when Gollum's talking to himself, going up to Shelob, you know, and stuff. And and they Sam and Frodo are just kind of talking. They kind of they definitely ape that. And you know, I will say, and I think I mentioned this to you before. A lot of Peter Jackson's, not a lot. Some of Peter Jackson's visualizations are directly taken from this right right i mean there's the scene when they're on the road um and they're hiding under the tree i mean that's a almost shot for shot and it, peter jackson did a little bit of an angle change at one point but you can tell that he's using this as a reference for that scene because in the books when that scene happens frodo is not actually next to the other hobbits he's kind of off on his own a little bit yeah you know and stuff so it's definitely you can see where peter jackson and peter jackson has come out and said you know he he was inspired by this animation i think he even said he was introduced to the hobbit from this or from the the tolkien stuff from these animated shows you know and stuff so he's definitely using that and the one scene i always remember even way back in the day when i first watched fellowship of the ring is that at bilbo's party when he's you know talking about all the the people that are around, they says proud foot. And the guy says proud feet. He's got his foot up there. That's it. Shot for shot. Right. You know, that, that always sticks out to me an exact remake of, of what they're doing there. So, yeah, I think, I think that is cool to have those little like Easter eggs and connections that like, you know, someone like me, who's just basically only been introduced to the Peter Jacksons, I would miss, but someone like you, who's sort of got this same history. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it definitely, you know, it definitely leads to the fact that, you know, Bakshi did have something there where he had some good visual shots. I mean, he's an animation guy and stuff. So, I mean, he knows visually how to set up a scene. So when you see that, you know, award winners like Peter Jackson are using his same kind of shots, you can kind of see that, that, you know, there's at least some inspiration there, some, some reference or some, acknowledgement of what came before right. in that instance, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was, um, Oh geez. What was I just going to say? Um, the, Oh, the way speaking of like their sort of beginning part when they're just leaving the Shire, the way that Mary and Pippin joined the, the party in this movie was much more closer to what happened in the book. Right. Um, whereas the Peter Jackson, they just sort of stumble into each other, mm-hmm. literally yeah, stumble into each nice other. Nice little shortcut there. Yeah. Somewhere there's the Peter Jackson extended, extended version that has all the stuff with Frodo selling his house, selling Bag End and moving to whatever. I can't even remember where they moved to before he went to Bree. And then they, you know, and they had to, or did he just move to Bree? I, no, I don't think so. No, the, the, oh, I just read it. Um, yeah. Crick Hollow. Yeah. He's moving to a whole nother place and they had to set up all this thing. And they, and there was, what's Fatty Bulger or whatever was the other one who, <laughs> yeah. who was kind of helping him out. And of course he stayed behind, but so yeah, Peter Jackson definitely shortened that aspect down quite a bit. But. Yeah. Extended, extended, but still no Tom Bomb. But well, like still no. <laughs> and he was notably missing from this as well. Yes, so he was. Yep. I guess him. maybe this is what this kind of told Peter. Yeah. You don't need him. Like, eh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess when you're trying to shorten, two massive books into just two hours you kind of got to cut the uh, the excess out yes you do uh, i do know that um i was reading a collider article that there were plans at some point he had talked about of course doing return of the king as a sequel to this um but it had didn't have the best critical reviews even though it did make money oh really um it didn't have the best critical reviews and he just never got around to doing a sequel and i think at one point I think it was it said in the Clyder article that Warner Brothers approached him about doing a, an animated sequel and stuff, but um, he was upset at the time. And I, I don't know on the timeline of this, but according to Clyder article, he was upset. Bakshi was upset because uh, Peter Jackson never and Warner Brothers never consulted with him on the Peter Jackson movies. 
so he didn't want it and so then he backed out and didn't want to do anything with it and stuff so which is sad because like i said peter jackson was obviously influenced by it yeah and and that sort of thing so it's too bad that uh we couldn't get something there but uh i guess we'll see how uh lord of the rings animation works with uh next year with what war war of the rohirrim or whatever yes i'm really excited for that (laughs) i think that's gonna be really cool (laughs) i don't know what the, the status of that is though well, last I saw, well, it actually mentioned that in that Collider article that it's still out for 2024. Now, I guess oh, I don't okay. remember when that Collider article was written, so right. <laughs> maybe things have changed since then. Yeah. Um, they've got a lot of, uh, you know, the Embracer group bought, bought the, the rights. They're talking about making a bunch of movies. They they just, their CEO just gave a statement where he wants to make the Lord of the Rings, like the the world's biggest game franchise. The game franchise. Yeah. Well, so they had the Gollum game, but didn't that come out pretty bad? <laughs> yeah, that goof. That was, like, I think I saw it got like a 3 out of 10 on GameSpot, which is huh. traditionally really, like, they give some pretty high ratings. <laughs> um, but that same company has announced that they're making another Lord of the Rings game immediately off of, you know, the failure that was Gollum. <laughs> so I don't, I don't well, know. Well, so... But what was the uh, the that Shad Shadows of Mordor? Yeah. Now you like that one, and what, wasn't there two games that were that kind of franchise, right? Yeah. So I mean, there are ways to do the Lord of the Rings right, and I, you know, um, Jacob was just playing a Warhammer version of uh, Starcraft. You know, I I could see a real time strategy game coming back, maybe it, and you know, with the the Lord of the Rings theme to it, and that, that would sort be really of thing. cool. Yeah. Um, you know, that'd be the kind of thing that I'd be into, be able to play that that aspect of it. I think it, at some point we actually had a game on PS3 where we were running around, and I remember there were like checkpoints, like you had to run up and stand by a flag long enough. Maybe Brady remembers this more. Um, you had to stand by a flag, and then you owned it, and then it was like you were at the Battle of Mordor and Battle of you know and, and Helm's Deep and stuff. Yeah, I think it was called Lord of the Rings Conquest. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I yeah. remember that one. So I mean, that was kind of a war game, but that was more of a first person, third person, you know, a a, a single player kind of yeah. war game, wasn't it? Yeah, I uh, I don't know what the actual correct genre for that is, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Um, Action adventure. I don't yeah, sure. <laughs> that game was fun, though. I like that. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, and I just noticed I posted it on our uh, handy dandy Discord, so everybody go out and check take a look at it. The um, uh, Magic: The Gathering has the Lord of the Rings starter set now. Yeah, I think I saw that. Like the they made like one version of the ring card that's like yeah. super fancy. And it's already one of like one a million. Yeah, <laughs> a million bucks. I'm like, oh my god, that's so crazy. <laughs> Whoever finds that one's gonna be because uh, they said it's it's in in one booster pack in the U.S. versions. Oh, but the, but yeah, it's numbered one of one. That's so crazy. I know <laughs> that one will get somebody shot, but. Oh, yeah. I'd shoot somebody over that. <laughs> FBI, that's a joke. Now, see, we got to edit that out. We can't have any evidence. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, if that guy dies, they're going to be coming for me now. That's right. Um, let's see. I will say, so, you know, we mentioned Anthony Daniels. The other name, normally we go through names. The only other name that I really recognize is John Hurt. Oh, yeah. John Hurt, we remember, he was uh, on... Um, he he's a British actor. We've seen him. He's been in a ton of that kind of thing. Um, we know him. We watched that Merlin show. Yeah. Remember, he was. I think he was the voice of the dragon on the Merlin show, wasn't he, or something? That or sounds. Am I thinking correct. a different a different show? But yeah, but John Hurt. He's been around for a long time. Um, I never knew that he was the voice of Aragon. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, voice of the dragon. Okay. Yep. But he's a guy you recognize. I mean, he was an alien. He isn't. He's the guy that get the first one who brings the alien on the ship. Yeah. So, yeah. Rip. Wasn't he? Um. No, he wasn't. What was it? Was he the one who made a cameo in Spaceballs, or did they just make a rip off? Yeah, he wasn't Spaceballs. Was that him? I yeah. couldn't remember if they did or if they just had an impersonator because he definitely looked like him. They're trying thought, to do it, but yeah, that was funny. But he was also in 1984. He played uh, Winston. Winston. Okay. Um. See who else? Oh, he was Ollivander in Harry Potter. And that's the right. Olives. Yep, that's where he's been more recently. He's the wand guy. Yeah, I didn't know that was him. What do we got? What is this labyrinth? Oh, I'm sure. He's... Oh no, that's I've a different labyrinth. This. That's not our labyrinth. A TV miniseries. Uh oh, we better watch that one. 
oh, this is a completely different story. Whoa. <laughs> These are some. It's probably is it a BBC thing? Because I know he's he's kind of you know in in a lot of those series is which you know on the BBC is just like you know we think of like Sherlock where it's just like three episode seasons or six episode seasons you know stuff like that. Man, that was a good show. I forgot about that. Um, It says Universal here. Oh, okay. So I guess, um, man, yeah, two hundred thirteen credits. This is crazy. Dude's been around for a long time. And, you know, one other name that is uh, uncredited, but um, I saw in the IMDb trivia, so we'll take it as, as uh, with a grain of salt, but Tim Burton was worked as an animator. It's his first job as an animator. Really? Yeah. Uh, says he's not credited, worked as an in-between artist, his first job on the movie or something. I don't know. but That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of fun trivia. but yeah, I don't I don't know any of these these actors either. Oh no. Yeah, um, this is not the kind of thing where we get I mean, this isn't the animation of today where we go out and get the big name actors so that everybody recognizes their voice. I mean, I don't even know how famous John Hurt was at the time. I mean, obviously we've got Alien was what? Was that 70 I want to say 79? Yeah, 79. Okay. So this was the year before that. So this yeah. was even before that and and everything. So um Anthony Daniels, of course, was a name, but <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, barely, uh, barely. That's true. It was a robot the year before, so <laughs> not um, a robot, a droid. Yeah, there's a difference. Um, it was weird uh, having Gollum and just have him talk like a regular guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure, he put this at the end like hobbitses, but it was yes. mostly just like a regular guy. He, yeah, he didn't have the uh, the Andy Circus voice at all. Um, and I will say one part that I thought was odd now that I'm going back is, um, uh, Elrond. (laughs) He just looked like a, a schlubby dad dude sitting there on the chair (laughs) during (laughs) the council. And I'm like, wait a minute. Cause in the Hobbit, we watched next week uh, or next episode with, uh, in the, uh, um, Rankin and Bass one, they definitely make the elves look a little different. (laughs) He he just looked like plain old, uh, lame dude. (laughs) Yeah. I will say John Hurt might have been relatively famous because in the year before this film he was in I Claudius which um and he was he played Caligula in that so he had a pretty big role and that evidently uh is very has it won an Emmy at least okay. um it has 8.8 stars uh, and I Claudius is a classic book Okay I was um, going to say I saw a BBC or a, a PBS logo there so <laughs> yeah um so maybe i i guess i mean it was only oh it was two years before so yeah so he, not... he was in there he's a working actor had had the name there and stuff so yeah i mean like i say i he's one of them guys that you see everywhere and, and you know him right away um even his voice you know i recognize his voice when we watched that Merlin before we knew and this was before we were big into imdb and all that stuff and figuring <laughs> out all these people but Oh, he was also Raskolnikov in a in an adaptation of Crime and Punishment. I wouldn't have thought they would ever adapt that. <laughs> well, he is a. I mean, I, when I think of you know, you think of like uh, um, Patrick Stewart is you know the Shakespearean classically trained actor, right? Yeah, I think of John Hurt in that way. Even though he's most known for you know sci-fi and stuff like that. I think he's one of those kind of old actors that you just know he's well, he works well, he works hard, he must do good. You must be good to work with because he's brought into all kinds of things, even in an older curmudgeonly days, you know, (laughs) he's probably not that kind of guy, you know, he just seems like a nice guy. I don't know. Yeah. And he's, I mean, obviously those roles are pretty good. Oh yeah. He's done some good stuff. Oh, he's done some, (laughs) some, some stuff that really is uh, impactful for sure. But, um, I did notice back to the actual movie. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, we're talking about a movie. Um that there was a di- like I sort of mentioned this earlier there was a distinct lack of actual like mention of Sauron even in like the abstract of the enemy right. the way they refer to him in like the book. He was really absent. Yeah. Um and the only time where I really even noticed that they mentioned him <laughs> like as as being the cause of any of the evil um apart from tangentially you know like the black riders and stuff was when they're in um the mountains right before they go to Mo- moira to moria <laughs> um 
and you know, in the, in the book and the movies, that's Saruman who sends the the blizzard and the storm and shoots. You know, has the uh, birds <laughs> right. watching him. But in this, they're like, oh, the Dark Lord has grown powerful for him to have uh, his power to extend this far west or whatever they say. I gotta wonder. So, like you say, if we uh, if we made a conscious decision that this is um, Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers, and you need a bad guy, you need a bad guy. You get at the end. That to me is Saruman, of course, right? Certainly. Now, granted, he wasn't there in that final battle, but we still, you know, we're defeating his army, you know, and, and it's more focused around him and that part of the story for sure. It definitely. Um, self-contained and that's why sometimes i even wonder if um there you know it there may have been a little um you know a little feeling in the back that this was all they're doing right this is what we can afford we're gonna we're gonna do the first two we probably won't ever do the third one right so in that instance what they're doing trying to do is trying to make a contained story now we talk about um in the future we talk about um well, in the future, as in the next episode, the Rankin and Bass, they had the Hobbit, which is the main one that I know. And then they had, they did a version of the Return of the King. And in that one, it kind of starts, they go a little bit of flashback to previously, but it is mostly focused on the ending and the Return of the King side of things and that sort of thing. So it's kind of interesting that where people choose to um, edit themselves, you know, Peter Jackson We'll take one book and turn it into three movies with The Hobbit. But yeah. they were more specific about this is our economy, right? We're just going to take this bit and we're going to take this and we're going to write a story around it, you know? And I think that, you know, they mentioned that this Lord of the Rings, even though it, um, you can definitely see uh, the story in there, it went through a lot of screenplay rewrites because they're trying to figure out how to make a movie. I think at one point they said that one of the first writers came in and he wrote a screenplay that was like, it was a flashback all from Pippin's point of view or something like that. Oh, um, and of course that got scrapped and rewritten again, you know, and stuff. Yeah, but. which to be fair, that is kind of intelligent because Pippin wrote a lot of the book of uh, Red March or Red whatever the actual book book quote unquote that the Lord of the Rings is based off of. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, there's kind of some intelligence there. So there, there's your Tolkien scholar who was a, who was a, a screenwriter <laughs> or whatever and thought, I'll do this. this but uh, obviously that didn't play out for him. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, even though they are using Tolkien stuff and again, I've mentioned some of the visualizations. One of the other ones I pointed out um, in my notes here was uh, that scene you mentioned how Frodo is escaping on his own after Legolas sees him instead of Arwen saving him and stuff. And then he goes across the river and then there's a scene with the river coming down and the horses running through the water. Right? Yeah. Now you might say, you know, Peter Jackson kind of stole that too. But in my mind, I think that that's more, you know, if you read in the book, that's how it's described in the book. So yeah. that's, you know, that's the Tolkien imagery and stuff that both of them just uh, interpreted pretty much the same way, I think. Now, granted, like you say, Peter Jackson obviously saw this, so that that leads a little bit to it. But um, even so, Tolkien had his way of, of doing the story. And even though it was changed quite a bit, I think the, uh, you know, the the main story worked. It's just they they had to edit it down. You know, they had to get it down to a, a two-hour cartoon, I guess, or it wasn't even two hours. It was an hour something, I think. Um, of course, you and I, we probably wouldn't have minded a three-hour cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 212, it says. Here. Okay, so it was a pretty long one, but I'm thinking Fire and Ice was short, which it needed to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say most of the changes don't, like, you know, really bother me. Those are all, like, things that make sense but the one that does sort of like stick out in my mind is um back to moria um when they decide to go in there in the 78 version gandalf is like let's go to moria dude mm -hmm. and aragorn's like no let's wait and in the peter jackson and i think it's the same in the books Gandalf is like, we shouldn't go to Moria. That's a bad thing. Well, that's always bugged me. That's the one thing that I've always had about um, the Peter Jackson interpretation of it. And and it uh, last time I, I listened to the audiobooks, I didn't I didn't pay attention close enough. But to me, so we start out the Fellowship of the Ring, and Frodo says, 
we're walking out and Gandos and Frodo says, which way, right or left, right? So he doesn't even know which direction to turn. Yeah. So then we get to this major decision that's life or death. <laughs> we're going into the most dangerous place in the world or we're going, we're climbing over the most dangerous mountains and we let the ring bearer decide. Well, he doesn't have all the knowledge. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have all the info to make a valid decision there. So why are we even doing that? You know, so that's the kind of, that that's one thing that I've, it's always stuck in my head. And I can't remember the books exactly whether they did that or whether they actually gave him some background knowledge to make that decision but yeah. it's like what's he gonna do flip a coin and decide but i mean to in my mind like you say gandalf knows in the book i think he knows in the books and in peter jackson they point out that he knows that it's a bad decision but from frodo's mind all he's doing is hearing uh gimli saying it's a great place and it's underground where so i'm not buried in the snow or having me carried around by boromir you know and stuff yeah if you don't know about the balrog the options are a dark cave or basically run into saruman's grip (laughs) right um which so that never i guess i hadn't really thought about the fact that uh, that frodo doesn't have like basically any (laughs) he's got no information but at the time, it always sort of made sense to me because it's Gandalf is like, okay, both of these decisions suck, so I'll let you decide because you're the one who's really put in danger here because you're the ring bearer. Well, I guess you know, I, uh, I in 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 community college, I took a class called critical thinking. Oh. Frodo never went to that class, so he <laughs> never he never learned the basics of critical thinking, which is get all your information first. <laughs> yeah. He just standing in the snow having to make a decision. But. Yeah. No, I mean, like I say, I, and it, and that may be in the books. That that's just one of those things. that's always like, okay, if we're really doing this, uh, maybe that's more of my team based mentality, <laughs> my modern team based decision making skills. But yeah. it's like, do we really want the guy who don't even know which way to turn <laughs> making that decision? But. Yeah. That being said, I do like the um, the like emotional impact that. Frodo feels because he made the decision. Oh yeah, it's like definitely in, it's thematic in that reason. Right? Yeah, in yeah. in the seventy eight one, get it's like there's no reason to really for Frodo to really feel like it's his fault because he's just following Gandalf's decision. Right. Whereas in this, in or in the Peter Jackson, he makes the exact opposite <laughs> decision that Gandalf would make, and because that Gandalf dies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely you can definitely tell that, and and like you say, thematically that's great. Right. It's just that one little inkling there that's always kind of stuck in my craw. But, yeah, it's definitely the reason, and and I think it's a good growth for Frodo because, again, that that would lead to the end of Fellowship in the Ring when he's going off on his own. It's like, okay, I can't keep making decisions to get people killed. Right. Right. So I'm just out of here. Right. So, again, that theme is perfect. The way that that works is perfect. I just wish, like I say, that it was maybe. And, and like you say, he is the guy in charge because it's his quest. But still, it's yeah, it, yeah it's a little no. odd. <laughs> Gandalf should have been like, hey, dog, there's here's like a- <laughs> the information. Here's what you got to choose from. You know, he's got to know there's a giant flaming demon here. <laughs> so maybe we don't take Pippin in. Yeah. Let him go write his book. But, but- in Gandalf's defense... He didn't know that all the dwarves had been wiped out, right? Because when they find Balin's tomb, he's a little surprised as yeah. well. Yeah, I don't think he knew that as well, you know, and I think that that's, uh, um, yeah, there's no internet. <laughs> <laughs> the the bird network didn't tell him anything, I guess. But yeah, it, it's, uh, that is that is true there. When they walk in, he doesn't know. And then, of course, um, is it him? Right when they're walking in, says, we shouldn't have come here. Was that Or is that Aragorn? One of them says that, well, that's when that giant monster attacks and brings down the thing and they have to go through. Yeah. So, I mean, at that point, yeah, you can see again, they're kind of screwed. That's the way they're going. But yeah, I didn't know we were going to do the whole Peter Jackson trilogy. I guess there's a question of what do you think would have happened if they hadn't gone to Moria? Do you think they would have been able to sneak past Saruman or would he have like gotten hold of the ring? Well, I mean, the main reason they go to Moria is because it's so hard getting over the mountains, right? Right. Because they're trying to take the mountain pass. Now, the other option at the time, you know, uh, Boromir is shouting out, go down south or whatever and go around. The Gap of Rohan. Um, which, I mean, they end up going through Rohan anyway, so I don't know. But, you know, again, that's... Um, it, you kind of wonder whether that's now. So Gapper Rohan takes him too close to Isengard, right? Going over the mountains is a mess because Saruman's calling down the mountain on him, right? Um, so yeah, I mean there there's there's perils everywhere and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm with you. I, you that's that's just it. At that point, they're kind of screwed. They just need to call the Eagles. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> damn, damn eagles. Oh, man. Well, do you have any final thoughts on either Peter Jackson or the... the oh, if we got thoughts on Peter Jackson, we're going to have to have our extended edition of My Father Before Me. So. Uh, Three-hour-long episode. <laughs> no, I'm, be like I say, I mean, this is, this is the... Um, and I have, I do have to say, I'm pretty, I'm awful confident that this is my introduction. Now, next week when we talk to Rankin and Bass, I can specifically remember in my head seeing the commercial for the Rankin and Bass Hobbit on TV, and they called it an Adventures in Middle Earth. I'm like, well, they're in the middle of the Earth, but then there's a scene of Gandalf getting carried away by an eagle. So I'm like, well, <laughs> how did they come out of the Earth? You know, that's my kid brain there. Um, so I mean. As far as I can remember, these films were my introduction to Tolkien. Um, not Fire and Ice, but Lord of the Rings and the the films we'll talk about in the next episode. And uh, uh, I think it's a touchstone for, like I say, again, even though we look at it now and it's not the prettiest of films, you can see the seams, you can see where they're just doing pretty animation and that's it. Um, but it is, it definitely piqued my interest, you know. I will say the Rankin and Bass next week is much more of a cartoon, right? It's more animated. It's not rotoscoped or anything like that. It's just a, an animation type thing. Um, that is, a, you know, the, the, just your basic Saturday morning cartoon kind of thing. Um, and that was my introduction to it. So we'll get to that, but I think this Lord of the Rings, I like it. And I like it for the fact that the visualizations were enough that Peter Jackson thought that they should be part of his movie too. You right. Know? Because like I say, I thought that they were cool when I was a kid and then seeing them in the movie when Peter Jackson had it out, I thought that was cool too. I mean, even the, even the scene, I, I made a note of it. We didn't talk about it, but the scene where, um, they're fighting where, uh, Smeagol and his friend or brother or whatever is fighting over the ring, mm-hmm. you know, they're fishing. There's a scene where the, the, you know, the cast the line and the fish pulls them down and pulls them, pulls them in there. That's again, exact reproduction in Peter Jackson's film, you know, and stuff. So there he's taking some of those same ideas and running with it. Even even the um the film structure of doing the voiceover at the beginning and showing scenes of them getting the rings and holding them up, you know, that's exactly what Peter Jackson did. Better, but that's what he did. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. Speaking of the extended extended cut, I think I saw that uh they had filmed a bunch more scenes with like Elrond and Isildur in the in the the war mm. in the Second Age too, but they cut those out. So, See, I think that Fellowship of the Ring should be broken into two parts. We should have, <laughs> we should include all the Tom Bombadil and the and the Barrow Downs, you know, and the Whites, you know, that would have been cool. But. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Why don't we just make it six movies? <laughs> so it's it's even more like related to. Well, the now you're book. just going crazy, man. <laughs> well, one of these days I'll actually get through the Silmarillion, and maybe I'll say, "Oh yeah, we should do that." So. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I would give. Uh, so on our rating system, Fire and Ice, I'm just going to give a trash. Um, I thought it was. It's cool. I'm, I'm hip with that. <laughs> I'm not offended by that one. But on on the Lord of the Rings, um, I am obviously biased because I, I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings and Tolkien in general. So take that with a grain of salt, I guess. But I'm going to give it an okay. Um, I think if I wasn't a fan of Lord of the Rings, it would be a could be better. <laughs> but I think uh, it's it's at least worth a, a a viewing just to see. I think the animation itself, just to see a different style of animation, like the rotoscoping, to see a different way than it is traditionally done. I think that's interesting in and of itself. Yeah. Not even um, just on like supplemental viewing for like the Peter Jackson trilogy, just to see those uh, those inklings and those those same visuals. I think it's it's something cool to do. So excellent. Yep, I'm hip to that. All right. Well, with that, we will catch you next time with some more uh, Tolkien-related animation. <laughs>